Good evening, everybody. Good evening. My Bible is open up to Proverbs, the 11th chapter. Proverbs chapter 11. We're going to read one verse there in just a moment. And we're going to then work our way into the New Testament as we continue to think a little bit about shepherds in a local congregation. And as you're finding Proverbs, the 11th chapter, I will say how good it is to see everybody this evening. It's just been a very good day. I hope that you've had a pleasant afternoon, and this has been just a, a, a wonderful Lord's Day for a number of different reasons, but I, I must say actually right now how appreciative I am of uh, your reception to this morning's sermon. It is not often that the preacher can get up and preach for 51 minutes, and I did that today, and afterwards I did not receive a single joke or comment or wisecrack about going long. Normally I get that. But not a word said about that this morning. Instead, what I saw after the amen was said was I saw a lot of people giving hugs to one another and lots of I love you's being said, lots of tears being shed. Luke said after services, he said, I almost felt like everybody just, we just need to go around and everybody say I love you to one another after the service was over. Uh, and a lot of us were doing that already. But all of that together, I think that's just a... Really, it's just a testament to you and to who you are, your good attention and the hearing of God's Word, and just the encouragement that this spiritual family provides, not just for me, but what we provide for one another, and I think was so powerfully on display uh, this morning. And so thank you for who you are and for all that you do. Let's see if tonight maybe we can be a little bit more efficient with the clock. I'll not be as long-winded. We're going to begin all that tonight in Proverbs the 11th chapter. This is verse number 14. Going to read one verse that the wise man says here in Proverbs chapter 11 and in verse 14. Solomon writes, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. That passage speaks, I think, to a universal truth that wherever there is a lack of leadership, Disaster is sure to follow. And that's true just about in everywhere that you go. That's true in a government. That's true in the workplace. That's true in the home. Where there is no leadership present, then the people are sure to fall. And I must tell you this evening that that is also true whenever you talk about a church. Now, the church universal is not without leadership. You need to understand that. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 amongst other places tells us that Jesus is the head of the church. And His leadership, let's be clear, His leadership is perfect in every possible way. And as His body, we then submit to Him. We submit to Him willingly. We submit to Him gladly and voluntarily. But God has ordained beyond the universal church, God has ordained that local churches, that they are to be governed, they are to be led By elders. If Jesus is the chief shepherd, then these elders, they serve as His deputy shepherds, if you will. And their job is to guide and shepherd the local flock, the flock that is among them as they lead these sheep, they lead us from this place on earth to that place up there in heaven. And two weeks ago, when I began this series, we established that this... This is God's plan. This is what God wants. This is what God expects. And when a church is lacking that leadership, then what we pointed out in that first lesson is that the church is, it's defective. It is out of order. It is incomplete. It is not what God wants them to be. 
And unfortunately, that is where we are presently. I say that and that's not meant to be an insult. That's just stating the facts of the matter. And so with that realization, with that understanding, we are then forced, I think, to ask ourselves, well, well, why is that? Why don't we have elders here at Lakeside? You know, if the first lesson in this series was what series was designed to identify the problem, we are a defective church, that's the problem, then this second lesson is designed to identify the cause of that problem. What's causing us to be defective and out of order? What is the reason that we do not currently have an eldership in place? Well, as you look at that question, some of you right now, you're probably already formulating ideas and thoughts in your mind. I don't know everybody's individual answers to that question. I have certainly, throughout the last few years, I have talked with some of you about that, and I know what some of you would say in response to that question. And I certainly have kind of my own stock answer that I have given whenever this conversation comes up throughout the years. But the truth is, there may be a variety of different reasons, even within the same church, as to why folks within that church feel this is why we don't have elders. And so this evening what I want to do, in hopefully a relatively brief period of time, is I just want to try to catalog some of that tonight. This is certainly not going to be extensive. I don't think this covers everything. But I do want to hit some of the high points. I want to work through some of those reasons that churches don't have elders. And I want to show why I believe that none of those reasons, none of those answers, none of them meet with God's approval ultimately. And what each of us is going to have to do this evening as we talk about this, is we're going to have to think about this individually. You might think this is a very congregational type lesson, but really this is something we need to be thinking about individually. What I need to be doing as I think about all these things, is I need to be searching within myself, and I need to be deciding whether I'm going to be a part of the solution to this question, or whether I'm going to be a part of the problem and allow this to continue to be a problem. Are you ready to talk about some of the reasons why churches don't have elders? Let's just start that this evening. So we think about these reasons and which ones maybe apply specifically to our circumstances. I'm going to begin with what I think might be the most obvious answer to the question. And in fact, this has been my answer for the last five years or so whenever this subject comes up. And that is, we don't have elders because we do not presently have a plurality of qualified men. Now, when you talk about leadership in pretty much every area of leadership, whether it's in the government or in the workplace or in the home or any other place that you might think of, a person has to meet certain qualifications in order to start serving in those particular capacities. For example, in order for you to be the President of the United States of America, you have to be, according to our Constitution, you have to be a citizen of this country, either natural born or you need to have gone through all the proper channels to become a citizen of this country. Secondly, you need to have been a resident in this country for at least 14 years. You can't be a citizen and, okay, I'm going to go live over here in China for all of my life. No, you need to have lived here for at least 14 years. And then thirdly, you need to be at least 35 years old. And if you don't meet those basic requirements, then you need not apply for the office of the president. Because those are standard qualifications clearly spelled out in the U.S. Constitution. Well, similarly, 
Those who would seek to be leaders in a local church, they too must meet certain qualifications that are clearly spelled out, not in the Constitution, they are spelled out in the Word of God. Look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 3, please. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, we are not talking about the qualifications specifically just yet. We're laying still some groundwork here with these first couple of lessons. I know Daddy on Wednesday night in the class there, he's kind of building up to that. We've got to talk about some other things before we start talking about the qualifications. But I do want us to notice just a short little phrase, a little two-word phrase, right here at the beginning of the qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Look there in verse 1. 1 Timothy 3 verse 1, Paul writes Timothy, he says, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, shepherd, elder, all those terms are working together, then he desires a noble task. Verse 2. Therefore, an overseer must be... Stop right there. Must be. See those two little words? Must be. Paul tells Timothy that overseers in a local church, they must be certain things. Overseers in a local church are not merely just the guys who are willing to volunteer. Hey, I'm willing to help out and do that this month. That's, That's not how that works. Overseers in a local church, they are not draftees. Well, you know what? We we put you down on the schedule this month. You're going to be the elder this month because we just looked around and it just seemed like that was your turn. No, that's not the way that that works. Paul says that these are men who have attained to a certain standard of conduct and character in their lives. And Paul enumerates those things in verses 2 through 7, and we'll eventually get to talking about those things specifically. But these are qualities. That's what we mean when we talk about qualifications. We're talking about qualities that these men must possess, that they must demonstrate in their lives in order to serve in this office. They must be these things in order to be an elder in the Lord's church. Which means that it is entirely possible for a congregation to be elderless because they do not have that. They do not have a plurality of men. Got to have more than one. They do not have a plurality of men who are able to meet those qualifications. And I'll say again, this actually has been kind of just my generic response about where we are as a congregation over the last few years whenever this subject comes up. Now, here's the truth. As I've told people, well, we don't have elders because I just don't think that we have a plurality of qualified men. The truth is, I may be totally wrong about that. My assessment and my personal judgment on that, I may be completely off base about that. Maybe we have had qualified men who desire this work and they meet those Spirit-inspired qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. And let me just say right now, if we have had those kind of men, and you just haven't said anything? Brother, I wish you would have. I wish you'd have spoke up a lot sooner. You could have helped this brother out a whole lot. But I suspect, I suspect that this right here is probably where most of us have been in explaining where we are as a congregation. When folks ask, well, why don't you have elders? I would guess this is probably what a lot of us have said. You know, up until three or four years ago, We skewed very, very young. The demographics were very young here at Lakeside. Had lots of young families. Still have lots of young families. But we were predominantly younger people. People that were either newly married or maybe just newly had become parents and the children were very, very small. But that demographic over the last few years, that's that's changed a bit. 
And now we're maybe a little bit more recent, we're a little bit more evenly distributed kind of across the board. And so now as I begin to survey the congregation as it is presently, I'm beginning to wonder if maybe this answer, this explanation, I'm wondering if maybe this doesn't actually fit us anymore. Because I'll go ahead and tell you my opinion. I look out over our congregation and I do see men who, at least in my estimation, I believe they are qualified to serve in this role. And I'll tell you as well that even if my assessment and my judgment about that, even if that's wrong and even if we don't have qualified men right now, is that a license for us to just continue on in this elderless state as if God is somehow going to be pleased and happy with that? I'm going to submit to you, no, He is not. Everything I talked about in the first lesson, I'm pulling it in right here. God is not pleased when we are incomplete with His plan. I believe what pleases the Lord is that we are being proactive. I don't think it pleases God right now that we are elderless, but I think it pleases God that we're being proactive at this moment. The fact that we are having Bible classes and studies, the fact that we're having special lessons on this, the fact that we are talking about it with one another, hopefully to a greater degree than we have before, the fact that we are praying about that, appreciate so much that our men are praying about that more often in our public prayers, that we're praying about that privately, the fact that folks are going to men and trying to encourage them to, to, to want to do this work, the fact that folks are going to younger men to encourage them to prepare themselves now so that they can be ready. I believe when we're diligent about that, when we're diligent to find and to grow qualified men, that, that, that absolutely does please the Lord. But this business of just throwing up our hands and saying, well, we just, we just don't have anybody. You know, we looked and we couldn't find anyone and so we're just going to have to be satisfied with where we are. I don't think that flies. I don't believe that flies with what God expects of local churches. And so while, yes... This might explain Lakeside's eldership drought for the last ten years. I must tell you tonight, we cannot be satisfied with that. We can never be at a point where we're like, okay, well, I'm just okay with that. I'm just fine with that. No! We need to be about the business of growing and finding and seeking and appointing qualified men. That's what God requires. Now, let's dig a little bit deeper beneath that one. Because that really is kind of a a surface answer. Sometimes I think there are other reasons that are kind of underneath the surface there. Reasons that are maybe a little bit more sinister and a little bit more troubling. Like for example, the fact that some churches don't have elders and some churches don't even attempt to appoint elders because because of a lack of faith. Sometimes people just don't think that you're going to be able to find qualified men and that you're just not going to be able to get that done. In fact, I remember talking to a fellow one time and was talking about the congregation that he was a member at and he would say with his lips that we need elders here. That's that's what the Lord wants. That's, That's the Lord's plan for this local church. But then he followed all of that up by saying this statement. I'll never forget it. He said, but, but it just can't be done here. God wants that for us, but it just can't happen here. Just not going to happen. And what he was implying there was that obviously in his mind, there were just too many obstacles, too many objections, too many opinions, too many different personalities within that congregation. And so he just didn't believe that it was just ever, ever going to happen. And it makes me wonder if some of those same thoughts have ever entered the mind of... Anyone in this congregation? 
Look with me in Matthew chapter 17, please. In Matthew chapter 17, this is the account and the story of the man who had a son who was possessed by a demon. And he originally brought his son uh, to the disciples. The disciples who Jesus had imparted the, the gifts of being able to drive out evil spirits and demons out of people's bodies. So he brought him to the disciples and the disciples, they tried, but they were unsuccessful in driving the demon out of that boy. Now I'm going to remind you, they had the power to do it. Jesus gave them the power to do it, but they failed. They failed in doing it. They then come to the Lord and they ask Him the question, Matthew 17 verse 9, Why, Jesus? Verse 19, the disciples came to Jesus privately and they said, Why? Why could we not cast it out? But Jesus' answer in verse 20. Jesus said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus says that it was the littleness of their faith that made that an impossible task. And I'm here to say that that spirit of doubt, that spirit of uncertainty, that unfortunately continues to plague followers of Jesus even today. And you hear it in just the words people say. People say, we can't. We're not able. We're never gonna be. We become almost kind of like a spiritual version of Eeyore. Remember Eeyore in the Winnie the Pooh stories and movies? Eeyore's that donkey who's just kind of always like, oh well. Just so pessimistic about everything. So skeptical about everything. So apprehensive about everything. We can't do it, so there's no sense in even trying. Where's the trust? Where is the faith in the awesome God that we serve? Where is the kind of faith that Jesus describes here that is able to move a mountain? Where is the confidence? Where is the certainty that's able to echo what Paul said in Philippians 4 verse 13? That I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And for us what that means is I can do the things that the Lord wants me to do. Now if God does in fact want elders in every church, and He does, then where is the faith that says, we can do that. In fact, we're going to do that. Now, having said all that, I am not trying to suggest to you that that's going to be an easy task. The Bible doesn't say that that's an easy task. But you know what the Bible does teach? The Bible teaches that it is possible, that it is an achievable goal. And I know that because of passages like 2 Corinthians 9. I love this passage. Would you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 9? What Paul says in this passage is that our God, He is so good and He is so gracious that He provides the way for us to do anything. He provides the way for us to do everything in His service. If it's something God wants us to do, God enables us to be able to do that. And so Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this is verse 8, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, Paul says, God is able to make all grace abound to you So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. 
As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower, that's the Lord, and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now Paul's talking about those kinds of things in a very specific case and scenario that the Corinthians were involved in, but we can broaden the application of it here. Every good work that God has given us to do individually and collectively, it can be done through the all-sufficiency, the all-sufficient grace that He supplies. That is, whatever God wants us to do, He gives us the tools, He gives us the resources, He gives us the blessings to be able to carry that out. And I'm saying to you this evening that whenever a church... We don't have the disciple faith like the guys did in Matthew 17. No, 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 no. We have great faith. When we have great faith in our awesome God and what He is able to do, then not only can we have elders, we will have elders. The question is ultimately, do we believe God? Do we have faith and trust and confidence in His Word? Do we believe that He will supply in abundance what is needed? You know, you could define faith. Faith is believing in what we cannot see. And so, if you're the person who, you're kind of looking around the auditorium, and you're saying to yourself, or maybe you're saying to others, well, you know what, I just don't see how we're going to be able to do this. Well, guess what? You won't. But if you'll have the kind of faith that people like Peter did, when Peter was about to walk on that water and he said, Lord, if it be you, command me to come to you. Command me to walk on the water. Then guess what? You will. What we all need to be doing, I'm going to suggest over the course of these next couple of months, let's work on our faith. That maybe it's a good starting point for all of us. Let's commit to working on our faith, our commitment and our trust in God so that this is not an obstacle for us. When it comes time to select some men and to appoint some men, we're not going to be having some kind of a faith crisis. No! We know what God wants. We're going to believe and follow His Word. Thirdly, let me point out tonight, and it really pains me to have to acknowledge this, but it needs to be acknowledged. But I have known of churches, and maybe you have as well, that did not have elders and in fact have never had elders because there were folks in that church who just didn't want them. And I guess there's a number of reasons as to why folks may not want elders in a local church. For example, some people, they just may not want the accountability that elders are going to end up bringing to the congregation. You know, the fact that we got people who are now appointed to oversee me and my spiritual walk with the Lord, I think that probably makes some folks uncomfortable. I'd like to think that we're all kind of looking out for one another already. But you know what? When you talk about an elder, you're talking about a guy that that's that's his job now. And so he's very diligently looking for the needs of all of the sheep in the flock. And you know what? Some people just don't like that. You know what? I like it a whole lot better when I could just kind of come in here and I could be anonymous. And folks, you know, maybe they notice that I'm here and maybe they don't notice that I'm not here. And you know, I could just kind of come and go as I please. And I kind of like that anonymity. And I like being able to just kind of do what I wanted to do when I felt like it. And folks don't like the accountability of that. Some people have a problem with submission. And let's just tell the truth. You have elders, you're going to need submissive sheep. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says that we are, we are to obey our leaders and we are to submit 
to them. There's some people who just don't want to do that. Especially when you think about maybe a newly appointed eldership. The thought of, I'm going to take orders from that guy. You know, just last week he was a regular member just like the rest of us. And now all of a sudden today, he's a person of authority? Forget that. I'm not submitting. In fact, if you look in 3 John, I think I can actually show you a real life example of somebody who I am very confident had a real problem with submission. In 3 John, this is a guy that we're introduced to who did not want to give up the control and the power that apparently he had accrued to himself in this congregation. And so John calls him out on the carpet about it. In 3 John, chapter only chapter 1 chapter, 3 John verse 9, John says, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, he doesn't acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. This guy who's talking against the leaders. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and he also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. That guy, Diotrephes, he ain't going to submit to the elders. That guy has to be first. That's a guy who's just told himself, I've got to be in charge around here. This is a guy who likes to throw his weight around it. He likes to run roughshod over everybody else. And I fear that throughout my life, and I've got to visit and worship with a lot of different congregations, get to know a lot of people, I fear that I've known some diatrophies types throughout my life. People who have kind of gained control over the congregation. Some of that's just kind of almost mental control. Other times it's more forceful and outward. But they have prevented congregations from being what God wants them to be in being scripturally organized. And I don't think we have. God forbid that we would ever have a diatrophies amongst our number. And of course, when you talk about the fact that people don't want elders, sometimes people don't want elders because, well, they just don't like change. And that's a very human quality, I suppose. But think about that. Think about that in the context of a church that's trying to establish an eldership. I don't like that. You know, we've gotten used to the way that things are. The status quo, that seems to be working for us pretty good, right? Why do we need to disrupt all of that? Everything's going fine. Why do we need to rock the boat? Change just has a way of making folks feel uncomfortable. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't like change. You you come out to eat with me across the street at Casa. Everybody here knows that's eaten with me before. They know exactly what I'm going to get every single time. You come and eat with me at Sonny's or at Culver's, I'm going to get the exact same meal every time. I don't like change. And I'm not a fan of change simply for the sake of change. But this, change for the sake of obeying God, I'm a huge fan of that. And yes, I realize that a change of this nature... Yeah, that would, that would require some getting used to. We'd certainly have to make some adjustments in our thinking and in our relations with one another. There'd be a bit of a learning curve as we're all having to get used to our new roles. But isn't that really a very small price to pay in order to be in obedience and be pleasing unto God and His plan? You know, can't I sacrifice my own personal comfort in order to bring this congregation into conformity with the will of the Father. The truth is, when you stop and think about those three things right there, those are all selfish, 
very selfish reasons for not wanting elders. And those are selfish reasons for which the Scriptures provide no support. Just like this fourth reason that churches don't have elders, another broad category. But that is, there's just fear. And maybe you could kind of segue the change. Sometimes people have a fear of change and that works. But fear is a very powerful motivator in our lives. Fear can motivate us sometimes to do things that we otherwise would not. And in other cases, fear can prevent us from doing the things that we should do. And sometimes fear is what hinders a church from appointing men to serve as elders. For example, what if, what if we appoint the wrong guys? You know, what, what if we make a mistake? You know, I mean, we've got good intentions. We, we, we're trying to do this very carefully. But what if we appoint the wrong men? What if we appoint unqualified men? You know, what if we put somebody in that position and alright, they look like they were qualified and everything that they had shown evidence of was this is a godly man and he's ready for this work. But then he gets into that work and man, it's just a total bust. And he just messes everything up. What about that fear? Well, let me say, you appoint wrong men to that position, that's bad. It is. That's really bad. And i got to tell you, I don't know of anybody here that wants that. No, the Lord certainly doesn't want that. Nobody here is in favor of let's go around appointing wrong people to these positions. You know, you study the Old Testament and you study about the various kings of Israel and Judah. You look at the trouble that happens when men are placed in positions of leadership to try and lead God's people and they are wholly unfit and they have no business being in that role. What ends up happening? Everybody suffers. All of God's people suffer with that. And so I'll say that yes... That is a legitimate fear. Some of you that maybe have been members of other congregations before, maybe you've even experienced a little bit of that before, and you've seen firsthand the trouble that that causes. But can I say this? Just because a thing is misused or abused, that doesn't necessarily make that thing wrong in and of itself. You understand what I mean by that? For example, just because there are people in this world who abuse and they misuse prescription drugs and medication, that doesn't necessarily make prescription drugs and medication a bad thing in and of itself. Just because some people choose to take that and to use that improperly, that doesn't mean that we should just get rid of all prescription drugs, get rid of all medication, just throw it all out in the ocean and don't ever touch it again. And I'm really sorry that there are some people in this world who abuse and misuse things like morphine. You know what? There are also people who are very, very sick. They are in great pain. And they are even on their deathbed. And they can benefit in a good way from that particular drug. And I'm going to say that in that vein then, just because there is a risk that we might make a mistake, just because there's a risk that yes, someone might get appointed and he really didn't have any business being in that role, it doesn't mean that we never try. It doesn't mean that we just sit on our hands and just stay in fear. I have faith in the Lord. I don't know about you. I'm going back to that faith thing. I have faith that the Lord's going to help us in that. I have faith in this group. I have faith in the people that are sitting in this room. That we will do the right thing. Or what about this fear? What about the fear of discord and strife? Start talking about elders. Get to a point where it's alright, let's, let's write down some names. People submit some names after we've done some talking about that. Some names get put forward. And you start getting into all of that process, kind of the heavy part of the appointment process. Always lots of concern about that. 
Lots of concern. How are people going to act during that? How are people going to react during all of that? What happens if we disagree on some of those qualifications? What happens if someone really wanted to be put forward for that particular work, but they don't get put forward and their feelings get hurt really bad? What if we argue about the names that are put forth? What if there's hurt feelings caused by just the scrutinization that sometimes goes on with a man and his wife and his children and their family, and that causes a lot of difficulty? Well, that's a very legitimate fear. But I'm going to say again, the fear of thinking about the worst case scenarios, that does not excuse us being inactive. And besides, I'll just ask this. Worry about discord and strife amongst this group? How little do we think of one another? If if that is what's holding you up in your thought process, fear of how we're all going to act towards one another, how little do we think of each other? Did we not just this very morning see amazing evidence of the love and the compassion and the tenderness and the mercy and the understanding and the support that exists in this local family. Why then would we expect anything else than that same kind of conduct, that same kind of concern whenever we get to the point that we are seeking elders from among us? In Colossians the third chapter, in Colossians chapter 3, I love passages like this that just consolidate so many ideas into a very short space. And they just give us our marching orders. In Colossians chapter 3, reading here beginning of verse 12, Paul writes, Put on then, be clothed as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I I, I see those qualities evidence among us just all of the time. And my expectation is that those are going to continue to be the case. Again, I'm not saying that this would be an easy process, but I believe all of us are going to put our best foot forward to continue to try to demonstrate those things, even when it comes to the selection of elders. And then talking about fears, let me throw this on there as well. What about the fear of disappointment? You know, what if we get started in all of this? And all right, everybody's getting excited. We're talking about this on some Sunday nights. Got the class going on on Wednesday nights. Gets to a point where right, we've got some names put forward. And everybody's really excited about that and nothing happens. We don't find the consensus that we need to be able to appoint men to those positions. We did all this work. Had Phil Morgan come down from Indiana and talk to us about these things. Spent all these months and all this time talking about this stuff. And then nothing. Well, I'm not an advocate of, hey, let's be disappointed. Let's get really worked up just to be brought back down. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm going to just say one more time. The fear of a thing does not excuse our inactivity in doing the right thing. Maybe we will go through all of this. And at the end of it, yep, all right, maybe we will be let down. But I guess I'm going to try to be the guy who kind of looks at the glass half full instead of half empty. I'm going to look back and I'm going to think, you know what? I think the Lord was pleased with what we did. I think the Lord's pleased with the effort that we put forth. And we know kind of where we are now. We're going to just push forward even more from that point forward to be what God wants us to be. And then what about these? I've got two more here on the list and I'm not going to belabor these two points because we'll talk about these a little bit further when we get a little bit down the road. 
What about sometimes the fact that churches don't have elders because the members, or maybe even just a very small segment of the members, but are the most vocal amongst the members? What if they have a very overly strict perception about the qualifications? I fear sometimes that what we're looking for, we don't say it with our lips, but what we've painted in our minds is is we're looking for perfection. We're looking for this guy who's just got it down, I mean 100% all across the board. And while that's certainly a noble idea to want to find such a man as that, that guy was already here. His name was Jesus. And he's not up for candidacy to be an elder in the local church. If we're looking for perfection, we're not going to find that. I say this right now because I want us to remember this when we get to this point, but sometimes I think we're overly strict in some of those areas that are the areas that we end up fussing the most about. When it talks about those family qualifications about the husband and the wife, about the father and his children. Sometimes we just get, we just kind of get on a bent on those things. And we're just not gonna, we're just not even gonna allow for any other kind of thoughts or ideas to be brought to the table. I'm asking you right now, before we even get to the point of talking about those things, allow yourself to be open and to be pliable and to be receptive to the things that we'll talk about and then be ready to say, alright, let's do what God wants here. This is not in any way by putting that on the board. This is not me advocating us being loose with the qualifications. Absolutely not. I'm not in favor of that at all. I'm so hungry to get elders here that we'll just do anything to get them here. No. What I am arguing against is this idea of being overly strict with what God has given in His Word. And then lastly in this connection, sometimes churches just don't have elders because men are just hesitant to accept that appointment. Uh, would you go back to that passage in 1 Timothy chapter 3? There's often much made about this statement. Uh, I, guess, I guess in some ways it's a qualification. Uh, we talk about it like it's a qualification in and of itself. It doesn't matter to me whether we call it a qualification or not. It's certainly something that needs to be present. But in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, there's those... Things that are said about, about desire. First Timothy 3 verse 1, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, then he desires a noble task. Now certainly we cannot appoint a man who just does not want to be an elder. I'm against that, don't want that, because completely resistant to that in every possible way. That's never going to work. We're just going to force you into that role. Absolutely not. But I think sometimes we take this idea of desire here and we just kind of run with it maybe in a little bit wrong direction. This desire here, it has nothing to do with, oh, I just desire that that position, that lofty, lofty seat where people look up to me in the congregation and they come to me and I'm one of the guys there. And oh, there's such prestige with that. Maybe I can get my business card redone. I can put on their elder now. That's not the desire here. You know what this desire is? It is the desire to serve. This is a man who feels that heavy mantle of responsibility. He sees that there is a need. And so he feels that mantle heavy upon his shoulders. And so he is then provoked because he has the Spirit of Jesus. He wants to simply serve. And so he sets about the task of Doing that. He sets about the task of serving God's people. He is a shepherd that is serving the flock. 
And I realize that a man may look at that. And we start talking about the work of an elder. And all the work that comes along with that, a man may look at that and say, I'm just very reluctant to do that. Very hesitant to accept that great responsibility. And if that be the case, if we have men who are qualified otherwise, and they just say, I'm just not willing to take that on right now, that will be a disappointment. I'm not going to hold any grudges about that. But it will cause this congregation to continue to be incomplete. And so I guess what I want to just say to our men right now is be developing that desire. Be developing that aspiration to serve in that way. So that when that moment does come, whether it's two or three months from now, or whether it's 10, 15 years from now, you have felt that mantle of responsibility and you said, I'm ready to go. I've been working toward this my whole life. Not because I desire some little badge that I can wear on my lapel. No. I desire to serve God by serving God's people in this special role. We'll talk a little bit more about that desire and about sometimes that reluctancy that comes along with that when we start talking about the qualifications. And so I go back to Proverbs chapter 11 and in verse 14 where the wise man says there, Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance... Translations say where there is no counsel. Other translations say where there is no leadership, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. What I want for this congregation, what I think you want, and certainly what the Lord wants, we want that abundance of counselors that is able to provide safety. We're looking for a few good men. I could just borrow that from the military. We're just looking for a few good men who are ready to step into this work and help us be whole and complete, we can be what God wants us to be as a local congregation. Look forward to talking about these things continued over the course of the next few months. Probably we're looking at maybe the next time I'm going to talk about this is maybe it might be after the first of the year. Um, got some other things lined up for next week and for uh, the week after that, but probably in January we're going to resume talking about this. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to, I'm going to probably say this every time. On Wednesday nights... You need to be here. You need to be involved in that class uh, that's going on on Wednesday night. That's a different forum than this because it's an opportunity to participate, to ask questions, to provide your own feedback and your own ideas and share those things with the group. It's good to have that kind of discussion. I'm going to continue to encourage discussion amongst us just when we're out together, when we're in the foyer, when we're sitting at the Mexican restaurant, when we're in each other's homes. Let's continue to talk about that. And yes, be praying about that. I don't think I said that even in the last lesson, but I kind of thought that was a given. We need to be praying about this diligently. As we care about and think about this congregation, let's take those thoughts and then let's just put those into prayer as we approach our Father's throne so that we can be whole and complete in what God wants. If you're not a child of God this evening, realize that what we've been talking about this evening and in many ways lots of the things that we talked about this morning had to do with what it's like to be on the inside, what it's like to be a part of God's family and of God's church. And so even though we haven't talked in depth about what it takes to become a Christian and what you need to understand and to realize in order to become a child of God, we're available to talk about those things. If you've got hang-ups, if you've got questions about that, we're ready to talk about that. I'm personally available to talk about those things and discuss those things from the Bible. It may be, though, that you do know what it takes and it's simply just a matter of you're sitting on the dime. Could we say something tonight as we sing this song in just a moment? Could this song maybe stir you to action?
to get out of your complacency, to get out from behind that pew and to walk down this aisle and to say, I need to be baptized in water. I need my sins washed away. We're ready to help you. And if you were here this morning and you saw just the outpouring of love for a sister who come forward and requested prayers, then certainly you must know the reception that you will receive from this group here. Put our arms around you. You work with us. We work with you. And we all get on that elevator as we head toward heaven. If you are a Christian, but you've not been living right, brother or sister, it's an opportunity for you to repent, make those things known publicly, let us pray with you and encourage you. Or if you just need some extra encouragement, then we're available to do that as well. Whatever your need may be, simply make that known. Do that right now while we stand and while we sing.